This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Well, we're going to continue with our Christmas message, each one for each one. Next week, it will be a Christmas for sure message, but, uh, you know, each one reach one, he came and reached down to us, and we were all sinners. We all didn't deserve him to reach out to us, but he came and he reached out to us. Uh, I told about in May, I had a dream that was an alarm going off. It was a distress call. It was a, a wake-up call. And God was saying, wake up, wake up. And it was really wake up to the Great Commission as pieces and dreams uh, came together. And you, you might be wondering, why do I keep sharing these dreams? And I'll tell you why. He said to. Okay. <laughs> he said to keep sharing it because it, was, it would be a prophetic breakthrough to share. So I'm going to continue to share. It says, wake up. And uh, then September 11th had a dream about, the, it wasn't a dream, the Lord just spoke to me and said one plus one equals two. And uh, he speaks to me in simple terms. I have to have it simply. One plus one equals two. And then he says it takes one to double. And then he explained that if each person will reach out and reach one, the church would double. And that's why he wants us to double. I know it's even beyond that. But what he's saying is get serious about the Great Commission, about reaching people, because it's all about people. People are not just a distraction. They're the goal. <laughs> That's the reason we're here. We're going to have eternity with him. But right now, there's people who are lost and dying or headed their destination as hell. We have to reach out to them. And we got to be more... Uh, proactive about it. You don't just do it by accident. You have to set your course that I'm going to live a lifestyle of reaching out to people. And we're used to being comfortable. We're used to not, uh, we have our, our mission, go to the store, be gone, whatever. And we have to revise that and make room for the Spirit of God. Make room for Him in that world out there. Because I believe that that there's many that are stagnant. And if you listen to the, the messages before about the one who would not work his field, I believe that many in the body of Christ are stagnant or they've lost their momentum or there's a spiritual lukewarmness is because they're not ministering to anyone. They're not fulfilling the great commission what God called us to do, and that's to reach out and touch lives for him. If you're not talking to someone, ministering to someone about him, you're going to get stagnant because that's the reason we're here. So maybe we need to be about the main thing, and that's loving someone else and reaching out, out to them. So we're going to continue with that. Um, let me tell you a dream I had Monday. And uh, just to give you some encouragement, this blessed me so much, but uh, it doesn't start with a blessing. I'm in an earthquake. I'm actually in my house, and it's just a... Uh, Anybody here ever been in the earthquake? We had one here years ago. Yes, yeah, some of us remember that. And it was just a rumbling through. It was uh, quite an experience. You could hear it go past, past you as uh, I guess everything settled. But um, I had this dream, and it was just this 
shaking, earthquake. It's just something else. Anyway, it stops, and um, I go over uh, to turn on the switch. I say, I know electricity's out. I know we don't, probably don't have water or anything. Everything worked. Everything was, everything was fine. No damage, no, no nothing. You know, so, well, that's great. And then, uh, next thing I know, I'm in this huge plane, and we're going down the runway. The whole, all of you were in it, and I know it was not just for us, it was for the body of Christ, because he said it's, we're, we're a local church that's flying, or in the plane, but there's many. And going down the runway, and I uh, had my hand on the lever, you've seen the cockpit, you know, you got, you've seen enough movies, and, or some of you are flown, and, and it's shaking, and all of a sudden, breakthrough, and we're soaring, and it felt like heaven. I mean, it was no effort, everything was just easy as breathing, and it was the blessings of God. Those things that had been difficult were nothing. Those, those things that you were believing for were instantly now. Like we were saying, now, <laughs> right now. And it was just the, the blessing of God. And it, was so, it was just refreshing, exhilarating. And uh, I believe that is a word for us for 2017. Get ready to soar. Get ready to fly. You stay on the runway, but you're approaching takeoff. And it's going to happen. So don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Keep Keep doing what you're doing. Stay close to God because his promises are true and it will be fulfilled. It will come to pass. Amen? Hallelujah. Yes. God praise and glory. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. This is where we ended um, last week. You are the light for the whole world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, it is put on the lampstand where it gives light for everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine before people so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. you got to let your light shine. Notice here, we have a choice. We choose to let our light shine. You have to be intentional. You have to be telling God, proclaiming, I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to be a witness of the goodness of God. I'm going to tell my story when I have opportunity. You know, God will give you opportunity after opportunity to pray with somebody or uh, just to share what God has done for you. Well, pastor, God hasn't done anything for me. Well, you need to get saved. Because, <laughs> see, he's done a whole lot. And you need to get saved. You need to get the joy of your salvation back. You need to come out of that spiritual lukewarmness into the light and let the light heat you up and ignite you and fire you up with a passion and a love for Father and for our God. Anyway, it's our responsibility to share the light. Light and darkness don't exist together. Light encounters darkness. Darkness has to flee. And we're the carriers of the light. The world is full of darkness. The world is full of uh, perversion. The world is full of uh, evil and, and twist and, and things that are contrary to the Word of God. But we bring the light. We light our world. So how's your light shining? Do people recognize you're lit up? If you're lit up, it should be recognizable. 
Oh, they're lit today. <laughs> and you're to light your world. The light, in the, helps, uh, the light in us helps them find a way through the darkness and points them towards the life of God. They find out that the light that we have is the life of God or his light. It's really about Jesus. And then we ended with Isaiah 60, verse 1. It says, Arise, shine. What's he? He said, Lord, cause me to arise and shine. No, we arise and shine. We make the choice. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Deep darkness to people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. So he says, arise and shine. You choose. Arise and shine, and the glory of the Lord will come upon you, and people will be attracted to you. You know, light, the light of Christ, the life of God, it's attracted to people. It's a, it's a magnet to people. It draws them. They may not act like they're being drawn, but they're being drawn. Had people that come to me, and I thought they were totally turned off every time I, I spoke to them, but then it was breaking through, and they came back later and got to speak to them about the Lord. So even when it looks like it's not working, it's working. Because the word never fails. God's love never fails. Say it. God's love, God's love never, fails. never fails. That means never. It's working. His love is working. We just have to shine. We have to let out. Number one, there's nothing more valuable to God than people. Nothing more valuable to God than people. Now, I have an illustration here that actually saw many, many years ago and, and did it many years ago. But I have a $100 bill here. Who would like this $100 bill? I think that's about, that's about everyone would like this $100 bill. You're going to mess up my illustration. What? I, Zach wants his $100 bill. <laughs> everyone wants this hundred dollars and some of you want it bad enough to come up and get it but that's a different illustration <laughs> well l let me tell you this this hundred dollar bill we, we we all want it but what if this hundred dollar bill was kind of stepped on crumbled up and just kind of messed up here. Hmm. Doesn't look quite as good. How many would still want this $100 bill? What's wrong with you people? Man. Well, let me tell you a little bit of the history of this $100 bill. I'd say this $100 bill was used in a drug deal. Or this $100 bill was um, used to, maybe used for prostitution. Maybe this $100 bill was, was stolen. Anybody still want this $100 bill? You're in church, folks. 
<laughs> well, this, this $100 bill, the reason you feel that way, the value was not set by its circumstances, by its past, by the way it looks. Its value was set by the United States Treasury who placed a value on it. They made it. They printed it. And they placed a value on it. And therefore, we all see value in this $100 bill. Well, let me tell you, God places value on you. And it's not according to your past. It's not according to your circumstances. It's not according to your achievements. It's not according to your failures. It's according to the value that God placed on you. And the value that he placed on you was the death of his son. That he came and he paid the price for your sins. He took your shame. He took your guilt. He took every place that you've ever been unrighteous. Every place that you've ever doubted. Every place that you ever spoke and said wrong. Every action that you did wrong. And yet he said, I place value on you because I made you. And the value I place on you is the price of my son. Wow. That means you're valuable. That means you're, you're worth is immense. In fact, when you think about the price of Jesus Christ, cannot put a value on the soul, on the person's life. You can't put a value on it. And when you hear a lie, somebody says you're not worthy, you're not valuable, you don't mean anything, it's nothing but a lie because your value comes from God. Amen? Amen. Johnny, come here. And Shiloh, come here. I know you. Oh, now I'm your friend. <laughs> God's value is not placed on you because of your past. Because of a father not being there. God's value is placed on you through the life of Jesus Christ. And you're to walk in his love and his grace. Forgive, release, and let it go. Because God's blessing is upon your life. And this precious one that God's brought in your life for y'all to walk together and to be blessed. And your value is not on your past. Your value is not in what people said or what people have thought or even in your great voice. Your value is because Jesus loves you. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that goes beyond natural love. It's a love that surpasses anything. The closest that we can come to it is a, a parent-child relationship or a husband-wife. It's a glimpse of the Father's love. For us. 
Everybody stretch your hands towards them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak the blessing of the Lord upon these two. Father, we declare that they're blessed coming in and blessed going out, that everything they set their hand to do, they're blessed in it, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises against them, they'll look to the truth, they'll look to the cross, they'll look to the value that, Father, you have placed upon them, and, God, you call them loved. You call them the most valuable, precious thing to you, Father. We thank you for smooth delivery. We thank you everything goes great with this, this new one coming. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, that you multiply and you bless them. Give them a great Christmas. And, Lord, let them walk in your peace and your love. Nothing missing, nothing broken. In Jesus' name, and everyone who agreed said amen. 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 I know this mama took that $100 just like that. Okay, that's a mama for it. Give me that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that we were still sinners. And Christ died for us. Even on your worst day, even on your worst day, you're still worth the blood of Jesus. Wow. Mm. Number two, the world is not meant to be a threat to the church, but our mission field. Our mission field. You know, we live in a world that puts more value to, to animals, to environment, or, you know, Things that really aren't valuable. What's valuable is people. But we have to, you know, Jesus is called a friend of sinners. We got to sometime engage with unbelievers in order to reach them. And it's so easy for us as Christians just to get locked in on we, all we talk to is Christians. Uh, all we do is wear Christian t-shirts and underwear, whatever, all we do is uh, we're just Christian, 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 but sometime if you're going to fulfill the mission that we have, we've got to engage with someone who doesn't exactly fit our lifestyle or where we're at because we love them, because Father loves them and we reach out to them. And all they're doing, they may not act the way we like, but they're just acting naturally. A sinner is going to act like a sinner, right? A fish, we would be surprised if a fish didn't swim. (laughs) They're just doing what comes naturally. And we have to love all people and realize if not for the grace of God, if not for the mercy of God, where would we be? But he revealed himself and we're part of the family of God, but there's those that Father wants to bring in and be a part of the family. In Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That which is lost. I don't know if you ever lost your child. You know, in that moment of desperation, you know, you are, you're after them. You're compelled. There's an urgency in you. There's a zeal in you. Uh, I was remembering that 
years ago, we had um, in church, we had a lady who lost her little girl. And um, looking everywhere uh, for her, and we wound up just praying. And, of course, it was just uh, quite an a emotional time and everything. And then the, the little girl pops out. She was hiding. Um, and her hide got the feeling <laughs> on the way home, I'm sure. I mean, this was, you remember when your kids would hide on you, you know, come on out. I know you're hiding. <laughs> and that's what this, it just went overboard uh, this time because it was like 30 minutes we were looking for this uh, little girl. But I'm telling you that that mom, there was no holding her back. She was, there was urgency, there was a zeal, there was a passion to get hold of this, this girl. And uh, that's the way we need to be because this is God's love. We need to treat others the way we would if our son or daughter was lost, to go after them and, and to love them. But often we isolate ourselves from our God-given mission. And it's easy to do. I think it's just a tendency that we get comfortable. And all we want to do is be around Christians and just feel good and have fun. But I really believe that our, our mission is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun engaging unbelievers and getting people to come to Jesus and lead them to the Lord and, and get them to growing in God. And then we're supposed to do it again and again and again and make it a lifestyle of just reaching out in our world to those around us. We think someone else will do it, but everyone's thinking that because 95% of the body of Christ has never led anyone to the Lord. Most do not speak to anyone about the Lord. They speak to other Christians. We're afraid we'll get caught in the temptation maybe. Well, maybe we need to get a little stronger than that. Don't make the person, the unbeliever, the one you're ministering to your best friend. Keep your focus. When you're ministering, talking to them, your focus is to minister to them. And you've got to keep that, that focus. Your best, best friends should be believers who can pray with you and stand with you. And you can uh, let your hair down and tell them all, but they're in faith believing with you. Amen? All right. Unbelievers are not the enemy. They're bound by the enemy. And it's so easy. Uh, uh, I've told it before, but uh, I worked with some Christians that would go to the pub crawl. They would. I wouldn't. And um, they would just yell at people and say, you're going to hell. And uh, I guess there's a place maybe um, <laughs> if God has told you to do that, maybe the you know, fiery evangelist down the street corner, but uh, I did not go because I didn't feel led to go. And they would come back. I said, well, anybody get saved? No, no one got saved. But I tell you what, we really had a great time. We ministered to people. I said, what happened? I said, well, we were hollering at people. They were drinking, doing their pub crawl. And we're going, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. And I said, what'd they do? They threw stuff at us, bottles and stuff. And I said, what'd y'all do? We praised God and rejoiced. We were persecuted for righteousness sake. I said, oh, Lord. So, well, have you thought about this? Was that good news to them or not? Um, I'm just saying. Was that really good news? <laughs> or maybe good news. <laughs> God loves you. 
<laughs> just saying. I just uh, saw a Lifeway uh, research. This is 2016. It's brand new, uh, but it was uh, in conjunction with Billy Graham and their research center. And they uh, looked at the unchurched. This people unchurched for at least six months. They found, uh, number one, most unchurched do indeed have some church background. Uh, almost two-thirds, 62% went to church as a child. Isn't that interesting? When you think two-thirds of the people out there went to church as a child, that gives us something. We have an advantage because that word is there. And it will be quickened as we speak to them. Number two, most unchurched, unchurched quit church because they got out of the habit of church going. Number three, one-third of the unchurched have plans to go to church in the future. Now, they always put that plan off. It's always in the future, but they have a plan. It's one out of three unchurched Americans are actually planning to return to church. Four, the unchurched are very open to the gospel conversation. Nearly half, 47% would interact freely in such a conversation. Another third, 31% would listen actively without participating. Eight out of ten unchurched Americans would welcome a gospel conversation. Another 12% would discuss it with some discomfort, and 11% would change the subject immediately. <laughs> but anyway, it says we can't use the poor excuse that the unchurched really aren't interested in gospel conversation. The reality is church members are more likely not to be interested in initiating gospel conversations. That's what this survey found, that we're saying they don't want to hear, but the truth is we don't want to talk to them. And then uh, the last one says, if you invite them, they will come. Among the unchurched, 55% said they, they would attend church if invited by a family member, 51 said they would attend church if invited by a friend or neighbor. These numbers are staggering. It means the opportunities are incredible. It tells me that we need to do some more talking. Well, I'm just not a talker. You're talking. Everybody's talking. <laughs> you can talk and engage someone and be friendly. Amen? Don't just be honest there. Can I talk to you about the gospel? Hmm. I'd say, no, I've got enough issues. <laughs> I don't <need> more. <laughs> Just be natural. Be a friend. Number three, Jesus will transform you into a fisher of men. Matthew 4, 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You, he can transform us into being fishers of men when we follow him. So we got to say, I'm following you, Lord. I don't want to just be on the sidelines. I want to be in the game. And that's what really the body of Christ has been. We're not initiating anything. So we've been just on the sidelines, not participating. But God wants us all in the game. We're all called to be ministers. Each and every one in the body of Christ is a minister. 
So how's your ministry reconciliation? Because we all have that ministry to reconcile people back to God, to point to Him and tell of His goodness. Isn't it good that we have a good news message and not a bad news message? He could have said, I want you to carry bad news. Yes, Lord. <laughs> but it's good news. And it's always good news. It never, it never changes. Um, this isn't in your notes. I thought about this uh, late last night. But Malachi 3.16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Talking about those who talk about the Lord and think about the Lord. There's a book of remembrance. You know, there's several books in heaven, but there's a book of remembrance when you're talking about the Lord and thinking about him. It's written down. Isn't that neat? Or, or am I the only one who thought that was neat? Anyway. <laughs> in Luke chapter 15, we see... Um, you see your notes, the reference there, but we see three views, or uh, we learn the Father's view of those that are lost. And in verses 1 through 7, um, we see a comparison. It's, it's a parable of the sheep and the shepherd. Leaves the 99 to go find the one that is astray. So the picture here is, is the sheep going astray, and needs the oversight of the shepherd. Now, when God calls us a sheep, understand that's not a compliment. When you read about sheep, they're the dumbest animals around. I mean, they are de essentially defenseless. Uh, they cannot defend themselves. Uh, they're they're kind of like just going around. They're a leg of lamb just going around, eat me. <laughs> you know, they're just defenseless. And by the way, my coat makes a nice sweater. <laughs> they need and are completely dependent upon the shepherd. And you see the picture here that God's view is going after that one that is lost is highly prized by God, by Father. And he goes after, he leaves the others to go after that one. And it, it says in, in verse 7, and it says the shepherd doesn't give up until this one is found. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. You know, if heaven rejoices, we need to rejoice. And we need to do the things that causes heaven to rejoice. And reaching out and touching someone's life for him causes that to happen. And then in Luke 15, 8 through 10, we see the, the parable talks about the woman who lost a coin. She had 10 coins. And this, this really speaks of a headband. Um, when they got married, the woman wore this headband that had coins in it. And when she lost her coin, uh, it would be kind of like losing your wedding ring. And so it said that she searched and until she found it, she was not going to stop. And then she rejoiced. They called her friends, and they all rejoiced. In verse 10, it says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we're getting this picture 
of how God, his heart about those that are lost, about those that um, don't have a church home, spiritual orphans. His heart is so much for them that he doesn't give up. He will search and search. He's continually after them because he loves them. And then the last one, and we find this in verses 11 uh, through 32. This is the story of the uh, the father and the, the son, the missing. He's missing his son. And uh, you know the story that uh, he had two sons, and one came and said, look, I want my inheritance now. And we know that's not the proper thing. You know, I had say, I don't want to wait on your death. I want the inheritance right now. And amazingly, the, the dad gave it to him, and it says he went away into a far land, and there he wasted all his inheritance. He, you know, he, he blew it on um, prostitutes and booze and all this stuff. So he just blew it all. And he was feeding pigs. Can you imagine? Not, not the place a Jewish boy wanted to be. Not a kosher place for him. And he's feeding pigs. And it, it dawns on him that here I am hungry. And I, in my father's house, even the servants eat. And he said, I'm going home. And he prepares a speech. He said, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And, and he, he gets his, his speech ready. And then the story breaks away. It's like... It's like, meanwhile, back at the farm. <laughs> and you see the picture of the father. And the father is, he's on, the, on his front porch. You can just picture him and he's looking. And he's, he's missing the son. Maybe, um, maybe he goes into his, his bedroom and he looks at the, the pictures. And, and he's reminded of his, his son that is missing. And... And he goes back to the porch day after day. We don't know, you know how long this took. It could have been years. We, we don't know how long it took. But the picture is the, the father was looking and, and constantly looking for his son. And then one day it happens. He's out on the porch. And he sees a familiar figure out there. And he, it lights up the father. That's my son. That's my son. And he said that he ran off that porch and he called him and hugged him and kissed him and my son is home. He was dead, but he, now he's alive. And the, and the boy, he starts his speech. Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And it's like he got interrupted. Enough of that. Bring the breast robe. Bring the ring. Bring the shoes. My son's alive. He's home. And let's be merry and let's rejoice. It's interesting, you know, this is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible, but it was undignified for an older man to run. It was not something you did, but he chose to be undignified to engage his son. Will we be undignified to engage the lost? Those who God loves. But here's, you know, it's called the 
parable of the prodigal son, but it just as easily could have been the parable of the loving father. We need to, to reach out to those around us. And I believe a lot of the things that we're believing for will come upon us. We just need to put Father's business first. Be about His business. And many times we'll get our eyes off of our issues and our problems and we'll start helping someone else. We'll start sharing with someone else. And life comes in us. And strength comes in us. Because we're here for others. We have eternity with our Father and with our God. But in the meantime, we need to take some people to Jesus. We need to bring them in. Let's bow our heads. Father, I will thank you for your word. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you, Lord, that even as you've been merciful and good and kind to us, Lord, we choose to be that to others. We choose to judge no one but to walk in the love of God. We choose, Lord, to forgive. We choose, Lord, to walk in peace. Always keeping our eyes on you and seeing others through your eyes. Seeing others through the blood of Jesus. And knowing that Jesus died for them. God, you said that if we would follow you, you would make us fishers of men. So we choose to follow you. And we don't give in to this fear, the spirit of fear about reaching others. Because we belong to you. We're your child. We're your son. We're your daughter. And we refuse to be moved by our flesh, by discomfort. We choose to be moved by your spirit. And we honor you. And we bless you. And we say you are a great, great God. And a great, loving Father, and we worship you. We bless your name. If today you never have called upon Jesus as the Lord of your life, no one looking around, that you, I want you to slip your hand up. We're going to pray, and God will welcome you into his family. Or maybe you prayed this before, but you need to get back home. You need to get reconnected with Father. That's you for either one. Just lift your hand and we'll pray. Say, dear God, let's all say it. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I ask you to come into my life. I accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. And I'll follow you, Lord, wherever you lead. I'll feast on your word. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me to live for you.
If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You